Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Welcome to episode number 239 of the ETPHD team podcast. Let's talk about consistency. And more importantly, talk about embracing the journey, whether the journey be healing your relationship with food or fat loss and doing your very best to avoid frustration at the time that it takes to do the work. Because it turns out a lot of you are kind of impatient. You want to lose fat now, you want to be in a good relationship with food now, and look, I 100% get it. We live in a society of instant gratification, of, you know, three second videos, anything longer, and we get bored of wanting things here and now. But hopefully at the end of this podcast, in fact, I know by the end of this podcast, I'm going to change your mind and help you embrace where you are now and feel more content with where you are and ultimately the journey that you're on. First point I want to make, stop waiting for the end point. The arrivals fallacy is the illusion that joy lies at a destination ahead. It is the fallacy that describes the, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I heal my relationship with food. I'll be happy when I get to my goal weight. I'll be happy when I've bought my house, when I've got that job, when I've got that partner, when I'm married, when I have kids, whatever it may be. But guess what? You don't magically become happier when you're leaner. You don't magically become happier when you heal your relationship with food. For sure, these may well contribute to an overall more contented, contented is that word we're going to go with it, a more peaceful and potentially happier space. But you don't just wake up one day at their quote-unquote goal weight because you A, don't have goal weights, if you, especially if you work with the PhD method because these are toxic. But you don't magically wake up at your quote-unquote goal weight or haven't healed your relationship with food, whatever that end point apparently looks like, and think, oh, do you know what? I'm happy now. I promise you that's not going to happen. You certainly will with your relationship with food get to a point where, you know, I feel at peace now. I feel like I have autonomy and agency and food no longer rules my life and all of these things. But unless you're doing all of the work, and consistently doing all of the work and working on other parts of your life. You're not just going to wake up one day and be like, okay, nailed it, now I'm happy. The best way to improve your well-being is to change your path. Because ultimately, most of the reward that you get from these things is from the daily and weekly processes and habits that you do. They're what bring you joy. They're what bring you support. And they're what kind of improve or support your self-efficacy not the end point think of it like a relationship let's say I'll be happy when I'm married 
clearly that's obviously not what I've said but you know maybe 12 year old me I'll be happy when I'm married and I have kids so what the entire duration of all of my relationships leading up to that point are just time wasted in order to get to that end point of marriage and you think that I'm going to be happier the day that maybe the day that you get married maybe because we know from the happiness research that that peaks straight after you get married and then it comes back down again and that's the point you think one day you're just going to wake up oh okay I've got the ring on my finger now I'm happy forever what about the entire journey that you've got there is that nothing to be enjoyed is that not super important think about it if you were rich would you rather win a million pounds or would you work really really hard and get a million pounds which would you prefer I personally would prefer to work really really hard and get a million pounds than just give it like have it handed to me on a plate Emma asked me that question once well she didn't ask me she was talking about it in reference to something else so credit to her for that question ultimately though you have to accept that the end point isn't what's going to make you happy I I promise you it's it's a fallacy because it is an illusion we know from all areas of life that if you're waiting to be happy at an end point it doesn't happen Not only that, by the way, it's one of the key uh, drivers of quote-unquote self-sabotage, however you want to frame it. Because if I'm saying I'll be happy when I lose weight, when I get to X kilograms, and I get closer and closer to X kilograms and I don't feel any happier in myself because actually it's because I hate my job or because I hate my partner and because I feel unfulfilled, what do you think I'm going to do? it's a hell of a lot easier to blame my body than it is to blame all the other parts of my life and do that work so do you know what I'm going to do I'm going to ruin my diet I'm going to regain the weight and that way I can still blame my body for the fact that I'm not happy stop waiting for the end point and on that note learn to enjoy the journey as Oliver Berkman says this is not a dress rehearsal and if you've listened to any podcast of mine ever before you know, that's something I always say is that all we have is now and every single day your life is running out. Time is running out. This is literally all you have and your life is now. Stop wasting it by wishing time away just because one part of your life isn't where you want it to be. You will regret it when you're older and I say this as a 36 year old, I'm not, you know, 136 and I don't have all of this life experience but I can tell you now that you will massively regret not living your life even in 10 years time just because your body isn't where you want it to be just because your relationship with food isn't where you want it to be and I think the latter is a lot harder to do FYI because when it's your relationship with food it can feel all-encompassing it can feel like it takes over all aspects of your life it can feel very pervasive with fat loss it's just one small part of your life unless of course alongside your fat loss you're working on your relationship with food I spent years binge eating, years, 15 years probably, give or take. But I wouldn't wish those days away for literally anything because the life I lived in those days was so valuable, so full of joy, so full of creativity, so full of drama and scandal and stories. Obviously not as joyous now as it is now, of course, because... I'm not binging anymore and I can feel the full spectrum of human emotion. 
But when I check in with some of my clients and I know some of the other clients with the other coaches on the ETPHD method, and they say, you know, I enjoyed my holiday for the first time ever or the first time in my adult life because I wasn't binging. They're still working on their relationship with food. They're not at their quote-unquote end point yet. So what? Do you think that they should just not enjoy that part of their lives? It's silly. This is a key part of life. If they were just waiting on the end point, that would be really frustrating because they wouldn't celebrate any of these small things. In fact, that's not a small thing. Your experience of life is a sum of what you pay attention to. And Do you really want to give all your attention to frustration about how long something will take? The time is going to pass anyway. Our obsession with extracting the greatest future out of our time blinds us to the reality that, in fact, the moment of truth is always now. Life is nothing but a succession of present moments. You can thank Oliver Burton for that one too. Point three, practice radical acceptance. What can you control? You can control your habits. You can control, control your actions. You can control where you direct your attention. What you can't control is time. So why on earth are you wasting your energy on things that you can't control? And that is ultimately the point. It is a choice. It might be a difficult choice. It's very hard to quote unquote kind of train your brain to think or not think about certain aspects of life. But it is a choice not to dwell on things that you can't control. If you struggle with acceptance of you know, acceptance of things you can't control and working on things that you can't control. Listen to Tara Brack's book, Radical Acceptance. It's great. But practice radical acceptance. Ask yourself, is this something I can control right now? Point four. Get some grit. That was very Scottish. Grit. Um, this is a concept originally proposed by Angela Duckworth who talks a lot about the importance of grit. Ultimately... When people do really great things and progress and achieve what they want in life, it usually takes a long time to get there. It's usually pretty hard and they don't get there without grit. Grit is basically a combination of perseverance, effort and passion. Whether you are building your business, you're trying to get your period back, whether you're healing your relationship with food, building muscle, losing fat, it will take effort and it will take time, and it will take challenge. Be compassionate with yourself, for sure. Obviously, with compassion, you have the soft, kind side, and you have the fierce, kind side. But if you have a desire for a goal, and it aligns with your values, follow through with it, repeatedly have grit. Because life progress is consistency, it's not intensity. And something Angela Duckworth reminds us is that enthusiasm is common and endurance is rare. Be rare. Number five, embrace setbacks. Probably bored of me saying this now, to be quite honest, but they're a natural part of progress in any direction. When you have setbacks and you have what you feel like failures, which you will have, you will slip up on your diet. You will overeat when you're trying to overcome binge eating. You will restrict when you're trying to get your period back. You can't overreact to them. Your response to setbacks is what will make this journey easier or harder. Don't personalize them. Don't let them be pervasive. And don't assume that they're permanent. These are the three P's of emotional res resilience that I've spoken about a couple of times recently. 
setbacks are normal. You can just notice the setback and say, okay, that didn't work. What are my choices? What are my choices here? What can I learn? Where can I grow? How can I move on? And you move on. The journey is going to feel infinitely longer and infinitely harder if every time you have a setback, you criticize yourself, you take it personally, you call yourself a failure, you remind yourself that you can't do it, you feel like you're back at square one, your journey is going to be infinitely less enjoyable. Embrace setbacks as a natural part of this progress. Point number, I'm going to say seven, change your markers of success. Right now, your markers of success are purely self-orientated. And that's great, like that is important. And I certainly don't mean sacrifice your goals. They are incredibly important. It's incredibly important that you take action aligned with your values and what's important to you. But can you switch your markers of success that are currently self-orientated to self and others oriented? Whilst you're achieving your goals, I wonder if you can measure success in how you show up for other people, how you help people around you, how you support other people to feel, be that people that are really close to you, that you love, that you like a lot, or maybe other altruistic purposes. Or can you maybe add other markers of success? Your quote-unquote healing journey is supposed to add to your life. It's not supposed to detract from it. And although initially when you're going for new goals, it will take a lot more time and a lot more energy because you're learning something new. But as you become more unconsciously competent in these things, the time and the energy required to do these things will reduce. And that creates time and energy in your life to do other things. Can you fill your life with other markers of success aside from just fat loss, aside from just improving your relationship with food? Your fat loss journey should never be stealing from your life or from your other markers of success. So think about what have you put on the back burner? What have you sacrificed for fat loss or healing your relationship with food? Are there some things that you can work on now? Number eight, we're going with eight. Recognize that you're achieving your goals every day, even if you're not at the end point yet, and celebrate the small wins. When it comes to healing, there's no end point. Healing is a continuous journey that if you are focused on self-development, it's going to last forever. So if you're waiting for that end point, it's never going to happen. Fat loss, you could call an end point of a certain goal weight. Again, don't love to use them. But ultimately, that's going to change. Your body's supposed to change. Your body will change. It will gain weight. It will lose weight over time for the rest of your life. There is no specific end point when it comes to your health. For sure, you can find a place where you're maintaining a healthy body with healthy habits and you feel good with things. And and as an overarching umbrella term, it would be like, okay, you're in this great place with your relationship with food. But then you'll probably find something else that you want to focus on and that's okay. Ultimately, if you're on a fat loss journey, as an example, if you've hit all of your habits that day, you've succeeded. If you're working on your relationship with food, if you've hit all your habits that day, you've succeeded. Maybe you've eaten protein three or four times a day, you've had fruit and vegetables with every meal, you've gone out for your walk outside in nature, you've meditated, you've journaled, you've done half an hour of yoga or you've gone to the gym, you have set a boundary with someone, you've practiced your daily gratitude, maybe you've had a nice bath, I don't know. Why would you minimize all of these things that you've done for one end goal that doesn't actually change anything 
other than it being an arbitrary end goal that you've set yourself? Why is it that seeing a certain number on the scales or achieving a certain thing is infinitely more important than every single day showing up for yourself and every single day doing the actual work, the actual input? Because it's the input that's important, it's not the outcome. It's what you do every single day. I use this analogy when it comes to business. It's the input. It's the work that you're doing every day. That's what that's what you're doing. That's the effort that you're putting in. That's what you should be celebrating every single day. Those small wins. That's why having a coach can be so important. I celebrate the weekly wins of my clients every single week. Things that they might not have seen yet. Over time, of course, they start to see them for themselves. But it's these small things that are not small at all. It's these consistency and small things that build up that create success. Not a number on the scale or an end point with your relationship with food. Here are some questions to ask yourself. And if you're struggling with the time that it's taken to reach your goal, I want you to pause this, get your phone, get your notes, get your journal and write down these questions and take some time in your journaling session to figure them out. Question one, what's the alternative? Stop and stay where you are or keep going, persevere, show some grit and get the results you want. Two, what am I holding off doing until I reach my goal? How can I do that now? Three, am I showing grit or am I persevering because of sunk costs? What I mean by that is have you invested so much into say a fat loss journey that now you don't want to give up because you've already said no to multiple nights out you've already missed having takeaway with your partner for a month so you may as well keep going even though it's actually not serving you anymore even though you are miserable and you're overeating and actually you don't need to it's not going to benefit your health or am I showing grit because this is actually really aligned with my values and really aligned with my goals and this is the right thing Question four, am I choosing to show up and put the work in or am I waiting for something to happen? Question five, is the sacrifice worth it? If you feel like you're wasting your life or it's too much, is it worth it? See this a lot with fat loss. People sacrifice so much sometimes for fat loss and then realize actually I don't want it enough. It's the bravest thing that you can possibly do. Well, not possibly. There are lots of scarier things and braver things, but it's a brave thing. I can guarantee your relationship with food healing journey is worth it. I can guarantee you that it is if it's having a negative impact on your life. But you have to know that for yourself. No point in me telling you that. So ask yourself, is the sacrifice worth it? And see what comes up in your journaling sessions. But remember, like this is the one life that you have and time is going to pass anyway. Don't let these things completely take over your life and don't choose frustration. They are supposed to take time. Everything hard takes time. <laughs> well, not everything. And on that note, bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.